details for the people who are going. So if you haven't checked it out or if you want to check it out, go ahead and do that. All right. Happy Easter, y'all. Happy Easter. Aren't you so glad it's not raining? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like Jesus raising from the dead's right here. We're excited. Not raining is right there. Oh, my goodness. The resurrection of Jesus. It's the beginning of a new creation, a new way of being human. Death is undone, and fear is not the deciding factor anymore. Fifteen people baptized today. If you, yeah, it's fantastic. If you've, if you've not made a decision for Jesus, well, there's still water here. I will make somebody on our team that gets paid get in with their Easter best and baptize you. Um, but if, if somebody wants to get baptized, we, we are ready to baptize you. Uh, it doesn't have to be today, but if you want it to be today, it can be. But uh, on that app uh, that, that Tracy talked about earlier, you can sign up. Just go to sign-ups. We'd love to baptize you. We're ready for you. You can be like Jesus. Death to life. You can live again. Our text today, we're going to take it from the book of Matthew. All four of the stories of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they talk about him raising from the dead. We're going to take our text from Matthew, chapter 27. It starts like this in verses 62. The next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests and the Pharisees went to see Pilate. They told him, sir, we remember what the deceiver once said. They're talking about Jesus. While he was still alive. After three days I will rise from the dead. So we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body. And then telling everyone he was raised from the dead. If that happens we'll be worse off than we were at the first. Pilate replied take guards and secure it the best you can. So the religious authorities who were very well respected and had an in with the government, go to Pilate, who is the governor of the region, and they tell him, if, if Jesus does not stay dead, if, he is, if his disciples take him out of the grave, it's going to be worse off for us. People will believe him. And so they appeal to the government. They say, seal it. Put your seal on it. Put the seal of Caesar on it. Because if you don't, it's going to be bad news. And it was bad news for Pilate if the status quo wasn't maintained. We must maintain, we must remain unchanged as people. If, 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 if Jesus doesn't stay dead, it's going to undermine our power. And if Pilate, if his power is seen to be undermined, he would probably be executed himself by Caesar. So soldiers were dispatched, and the imperial seal of the government was placed on the tomb of Jesus. The government, like, like sit with this for a minute. The government of the, the empire sealed and locked a tomb. Think about it. Think, of, think about our government for a minute. Going into the graveyard and securing a grave. That's what happened. By imperial law, by imperial protection, the dead must remain dead. That seems bonkers. 
I mean, we argue about a lot of things, not just in Stanley County, but as a nation. Doesn't it just seem like something we would argue about and demand that our legislators would send out armed guards to the graveyard to ensure that a tomb remained sealed and the dead people stayed in the grave. But regardless of what Caesar, the emperor Tiberius, or the governor Pilate, or King Herod, or the religious rulers Caiaphas and Annas, the high priest, had to say, the old order, the ways of doing leadership, the ways of building empire, the ways of gaining power, the ways of running the world, will pass away and give deference to the cross. And the resurrection of the dead is going to happen the day after the Sabbath. Because here's what resurrection does. Resurrection breaks the powers of oppressive regimes. There are four Pentecostals in this room. And apparently 28 Baptists. <laughs> Resurrection breaks the powers of oppressive regime. They can have no everlasting rule. There is a great reversal upon us. He lives again. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse number 1. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, and it had finally stopped raining, <laughs> Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. I mean, who wants to be known as the other Mary, you know? I mean, you'll take it. <laughs> so he's like, I'll take it. I'll tell you, I'll be, I'm going to get a name and shout out in Scripture. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven rolled aside the stone and sat on it. And there was a great earthquake, an angel, from the, an angel from heaven, an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled the stone away. In that, those two little phrases alone, here's what happened. Earthquake, angel came down, the locked, sealed tomb of the empire that was heavily guarded was rolled away. Amen. In just a couple of phrases. This was a flippant act by the angel of the Lord. The empire did not matter to the angel of the Lord. The man-made, man-created, man-dominated, powerful Roman empire that ruled the world and sealed tombs had nothing to say to the earthquake arrival of the angel of the Lord. The senate of Rome, the emperor of Rome had no power in that moment for the angel of the Lord. Not even the Lord came down. It was the angel of the Lord. Rolled aside the stone, and I love this. What does the angel do? Sits on it. Sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. This is reminiscent of something else that is written by John the Revelator in the last book of the Bible. His face shone like lightning. Have you looked at lightning very long? No, because lightning is quick. 
his face shone like that. And his clothing was white as snow. Now, those of us in Stanley County, we don't see snow very long, like maybe six hours, but we cancel school for like four days. The guards shook with fear when they saw him. Some of you have a vocation or a job or career as a guard, whether that's, whether that's professionally in the armed services or whether that's in guarding something with a security company or whether that's in our local county detention center. I think one of the things that they teach you, they may not say this like verbatim, but they teach you, Hey, don't show fear. If the prisoners see fear, if the people that you're, you're guarding things, if you show fear, <laughs> don't show fear. Don't show fear. These guards, they didn't have training for this. They shook with fear when they saw him. And what happened? What's it say there? And they fell into a dead faint. Anybody here fell into a dead faint lately? Usually it's not a very popular like thing that the majority of us raise our hands for, even as some of us have done it lately. They fell into a dead faint. A single angel comes from heaven and ignores the security seal and the presence of oppression, outright defiles, defies the, the emperor, outright defiles, defies the governor. What was dead will not stay dead today. And the angel moves the stone away from the doorway, breaks the seal, unlocks the doors. Because this is what resurrection does. It unlocks doors that were previously locked. And there is a message here for those of us who are back in church on an Easter Sunday again. For those of us who were in church on Palm Sunday and the Sunday before, and we're here again, there is a message for us who have been following Jesus for a long time, and here we are worshiping again. And there's a message for us who have not really been close to this Jesus, and we know that we are far away from him. There is again a message for us. He unlocks doors that nobody else can unlock. He opens freedom that nobody else can open up. He raises the dead things so that we can live again. What was once dead is now living. What once was in bondage and captive and locked away is now free. And whatever the emperor or the seal of the government or the seal of your life or the powers that me may have oppressed you and brought you down and have bound you up, have no recourse for the angel and the power of the Lord. Have no answer for resurrection. They fall as into a dead faint before the Lord. The sin that has you bound and has you in addiction, the unforgiveness that, that holds you back is impotent before the resurrected Lord. That is the story of resurrection. The once dead man in the grave is not dead anymore. And the people who are using fear and death to shape the world, these soldiers, the empire, 
they now tremble in fear and become like dead men themselves. This is no metaphor. This is no symbol. This is the story of our God. I'm reminded of a short story. And forgive me if I get some of the details wrong, but this is the short story of a water pipe that was built and it was going to a faraway land and it was maintained by men in white hazmat suits for clear, pristine water. Because on earth all the water had been contaminated and they were piping all the fresh water to one place. And the Lord showed up and he said, what have you done with all of the water? Where is all of the water? Where is all of the clean living water? Where is all of my water? For you see, the Lord God had created it. And the men in the white suits looked at him and said, your water. Oh, we thought that was a metaphor. The living God speaks to you today as the resurrected Jesus, not in metaphor. As the living water, not, not, not in a dream state, not as in I know you're going through hell today, but just pretend like it's going to be better. But as the Jesus who had nails put through his hand and feet and suffered on the cross in a very real way. Resurrection. Resurrection puts to death this idea. It puts to death the power of shaping the world by fear. Everything is reversed. In verse 5, the angel spoke to the women, you know, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Do not be afraid, he said. I know you were looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. What did the angel tell these women to do? Told them to come and to look, right? And then what did the angel tell these women to do? To go tell. To go tell what? This is not a trick question. Answer out loud. To go and tell about the risen Savior, that he has risen from the dead. To go and tell people that Jesus has risen from the dead. That sounds a lot like preaching to me. Oh, is he going there? No, I'm not. The Bible is. Gang, this is Easter. This is the proclamation that even though there was suffering, that suffering and death has no eternal power. This idea that humanity is shackled down by the traditions that were created from some human is done. It's over. There is new life that has emerged because of resurrection. The law that was found in the Old Testament is not nullified, it's not evil, it's not bad. It is fulfilled through Jesus Christ. It is fulfilled. It is, it is, it is, it is not insignificant. It is not trivial. It is, it is not part one where God was bad and part two where God is good now. No, it is not that. God didn't suddenly get better. Humanity suddenly got saved. 
humanity suddenly, suddenly through the work of Jesus Christ, humanity suddenly, the power of shaping the world by fear was put to death and did not resurrect because Christ resurrected. This is Easter. This, the way of arranging the world around fear and death has no eternal power. Suffering exists, yes, but it's not the final word. Death happens, yes, but it isn't the end. Hatred is still seen among us, yes. But the voice that it has rings hollow and empty. Why? Because Jesus has risen. The ways of death and fear and hatred have become eternally impotent. The ways of treating each other like commodities has no power in, 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 in for, for eternity. For me to treat you and for you to treat me as a commodity, something that you can get, something that I can get, that is ignoring the image of God in you and in me. Using each other in unholy ways gets reversed by the original blessing of God. This is the new creation coming back from Genesis 1.27 that each of us are created in the image of God. Jesus Christ has redeemed all things. Look around. See the image bearers of Christ Jesus. We are all created and blessed in this image of God. Because of Jesus, we will no longer order ourselves around fear or power or money or insecurities, wondering who gets to sit at the cool table and who gets to look in from the outside. We treat each other with reverence and respect and dignity, and there is a sacredness to our belonging, and it's the dawn of a new creation. And every time we see injustice, every time we see someone looking from the outside in, we have the authority to call that out in the name of Jesus, to bring his kingdom to earth. And it looks as trivial as middle schoolers who are excluding someone else and not allowing them in their group. Because middle schoolers, they also act like, well, adults also act like middle schoolers, don't they? We just don't like to like talk about it. It looks that trivial. Because Jesus has risen. No longer do we order ourselves around these things. Because Jesus has risen, we live again. The famous preacher G.K. Chesterton says it this way, On the third day, the friends of Christ... Coming at daybreak to the place found the grave empty and the stone rolled away. In varying ways they realized the new wonder. The world had died in the night. What they were looking at was the first day of a new creation. And with a new heaven and a new earth and in a semblance of a gardener, God walked again in the garden. In the cool not of the evening but of the dawn. It's a new creation. It's Genesis 1 reliving itself with Jesus walking in the garden with his new creation. Because of the resurrection, we can no longer 
simply be indifferent about the injustices and the hatred that we see in our society. We can't be indifferent because we know of a stronger power. We get to become justice bringers. What does that look like? Does that look like we get to become soldiers? We get to become we, we get to become like protesters. We we get to become arms bearers and we get to we get to like show people who's no, hold on. What does it mean to bring justice? It means that we see injustice and we bring the kingdom of God to the injustice. See, in the book of Revelation, we hinted at this earlier through scripture where it talked about the face that was shining like lightning and the robe that was white. Remember that part? In the book of Revelation, when Jesus is riding triumphant and on the white horse, he's riding with a robe dipped in blood. We talked about this in the sermon last week. Whose blood is the robe dipped in? It's dipped in his blood because he was the sacrifice. It's also in the robe that is, that, it's also in the, dipped in the blood that, that is his enemies. His enemies are the people who are coming against him, not in the people that he is going after trying to defeat. Like Jesus is not trying to kill anybody, y'all. People are trying to kill him. That's what's happening in the book of Revelation. And you, you know who his church is? You know who his angels? It describes in the very next verses what, what his people, they're, they're in linen all around him in spotless robes. There's no blood on their robes. You and I, we're not, we're, we're not, we're not blood-stained warriors in the book of Revelation. We, we don't have weapons ready for a charge. We are worshiping the one who was slain and who resurrected. He is, he is the victor. To, to be a justice bringer in the name of Jesus means following the example of Jesus and laying aside my wants to bring the kingdom of God for some, someone else. It looks a lot like one day to feed the world and just bringing an offering. It looks a lot like, like laying my life down to come up to the example of resurrection. It looks a lot like handing out bags of groceries. It looks a lot like proximity and inviting people who are not at the cool table to my uncool table. Because we know of a stronger power. We care. We exhibit the fruits the pushed out bulbs of God's spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. We're quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. And if indeed death is undone and fear is not the deciding factor, we are free to have a huge imagination for what resurrection can look like in Stanley County. We can, we can look around us and imagine what the kingdom of God can look like through us. See, charity gives, love serves, but justice will cost you something. This is the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And remember his words in the book of John. In this world, you will have trouble. 
take heart. I've overcome the world. And I believe this to my core. The good news of Jesus is not that God got so mad at everybody's sin that he needed to kill somebody to justify or satisfy some kind of bloodlust thing that he had. God is not some kind of cosmic monster trying to somehow balance a set of arbitrary blood scales. The good news of Jesus also isn't this idea of a get-out-of-hell-free card that every person has in their back pocket. I prayed a special prayer, so I get out of hell free now. If that was the case, then the powers of humanity are left unchecked and unchallenged to rule as they always have. The good news of Jesus is that his freedom, his justice, the image of his sacrifice, the love of the Father. Jesus sacrificed his life to shame the ways and means of death. Jesus sacrificed his life to remain true to everything he taught in the Sermon on the Mount. About love for your enemies. The cross of Jesus is about the love of God offering every single person a way out of the vicious cycle of producing endless victims. To the ways that we humans tend to kill each other over and over and over. What God did in the death of Christ was not killed Jesus. The Sanhedrin and the empire killed Jesus. What God did was he raised him from the dead. And in doing so, he gave us a new way of organizing the world. Instead of blame and hatred and ritual killing, now we have a way of co-suffering love. God is with us. We have a way of forgiveness. It's the greatest way to end a game that we humans tend to play. A game that we learn to play as children. King of the Mountain. Did you ever play King of the Mountain? It looked like this. I'm King of the Mountain. Because I'm standing on the highest peak in the room. I'm on the stage. If anybody wants to be king of the mountain, you've got to come and knock me down. And at that point, somebody who wants to be king of the mountain comes and beats the snot out of me. Please don't do that. We're live streaming, you'll go to jail. And I have security. But it's the game. We played it as kids. We'd find like hills, and you just pull the guy on top of the hill down. King of the mountain. Over and over and over again. In evolution, it's called survival of the fittest. Might equals right. It's a deadly game. Played as kids, we play it with grave consequences as adults. He who has the most money, the most energy, the most employees, she who has the most influence, the most money, the most employees, 
the most followers, the most this, the most that. Faster, better, stronger. And we buy into this philosophy of life over and over and over, thinking that that will save us, that will secure us, that will motivate us, that will fulfill us. And the resurrection proves to us again and again and again, every year on this day something greater than what we humans can create because every king of the mountain eventually dies every empire eventually falls flat and crumbles every king eventually has a successor and every rich person becomes dust just like every poor person it's the greatest way to end a deadly game to prove how death will not win in this kingdom. So now, my challenge to you is to go tell everybody. Go tell everybody about the way of Jesus. Like the first evangelist, the women. This isn't about just inviting Jesus into your heart. It's about joining Jesus in his story. Explain baptism to people. How when people go under the water, it's death to the old life. And when they come up out of the water, they're living again. Death to life. The first sign of obedience. And praise God that you got to hear the story again. Amen. Would you stand and pray with me? In the name of Jesus, God's strong son, I want to pray a couple of things over you before you leave. And you go to your Easter brunch or whatever you got planned. It's going to be fantastic. I'm sure there will be no wait lines. And it, and it will be fantastic. I'm going to pray a couple of things over you. One, I want to encourage you to serve on Saturday, April 29th. Like, fully conscious that it's Easter Sunday and some of y'all haven't, maybe haven't been to church in a while. I just want to encourage you to do something more with faith or religion or church than just show up in a room. And I want you to give of yourself to something worship-filled that, that is giving back to your community in the name of Jesus. I want to challenge you in that way. And you can, you can do that through the app. You can do that by signing up in the lobby. It's a two-hour commitment on a Saturday. That's all it is. We got a whole tractor trailer full of groceries coming that we're going to sort and we're going to give out to people. The second thing I want to encourage you with is to deepen, pay attention to this walk with Jesus that is yours. And there's varying, like, depths in this room, I'm well aware. Some of us are, like, way up at the surface, and we question whether we're really following Jesus or not. Some of us have been following Jesus for a long time. Some of us are somewhere in the middle of, like, you know, I, I'm doing my best here. I'm, I didn't come here today to, like, feel guilty. I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I'm, I'm here to point you to him. Over and over and over, just point you to him, point you to him, point you to him. 
So all over this room, I just want to I just want to pray this over you with heads bowed and eyes closed. Varying degrees of depth and love for Jesus all over the place. But there are some people here you'd say, Nate, I am not right with him and I want to make things right. I I I either need to dedicate my life to him, I need to make things right. And man, I, j- I just want to take a minute. I saw those people get baptized. I need, I, need, I need some prayer. Pray for me, Nate. Pray for me. If that's you, um, all heads bowed. We're, we're just going to pray for you. Just get my attention really quick. You can make eye contact with me or raise your hand or something. Just, just looking over at my left, your right. I see you. Yeah, okay. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah, okay. There's another one. Uh, anybody else over here on the left? Your, your left? Yeah? Okay. Anybody else over here? How about over here uh, starting on the middle right? Anybody over here? Say, hey, pray for me. All you got to do is look up at me and just like, give me a head nod. Anybody else? I got you. Gotcha. Anybody else? Yeah? Okay. 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 All right. So I've got about eight people in the room that want to that want to pray that prayer and that want me to pray for them. If I missed you, I'm sorry, but we're going to all pray that prayer together. Okay, I'll see you. And there's several of us around here today that, um, man, just following Jesus, you desire, um, you, you, you really, gosh, you desire such a closer walk with him. And if that's you, I just want you to put your hands out in front of you with palms facing up. We're going to pray a prayer of salvation, and then I'm going to pray just over you for that desire. Everybody praying after me on this first part. Dear Jesus, come on, loud and proud. Dear Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I want to follow you. I want things to be right between me and you. I confess my sin. Thank you for loving me, for forgiving me. I'm going to live for you. You're the Lord of my life. You're going to stay close to me. And I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to follow you. Your spirit's going to guide me. And God, I pray for everybody in this room who has their hands just raised to you right now, who desires a close close walk with this resurrected Jesus. God, I pray that you will be the loudest voice and the brightest light in their lives. Your word says you open doors nobody else can open, you close doors nobody else can close. And on this resurrection Sunday, we take hold of the light that you are and the life that compels us to live again. From death to life, There are powers and there are things in this world that will lock us down, that will try to hold us in, that will seal us up, that will oppress us. Not just us, but people in our families, 
people in our workplaces, people in our worlds. And God, your angels, your light, your powers. They make fodder of those other things. They come down and they roll those locks away. So Holy Spirit of God, there's some folks here today that as simple as it may sound, desire a renewed touch from you. There's healing that's been prayed for in this room. You're a God of miracles. You're a God of restoration. And so we pray the prayer. There's a part of the prayer that Jesus prayed. We pray it over this congregation right now. May your kingdom come. You make all things new. And we love you, Jesus. We love you. We believe you. We are so grateful for resurrection. Because if it doesn't exist, none of this is real. And we really believe it's real. In the name of Jesus, we pray, God's strong son. Amen. Can we give God thanks for the nine folks who uh, prayed that prayer today? Isn't that cool?